This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 371. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your substitute host, Jacob Paulson, and I am also joined today by Matthew Merrister. Hello, hello. It's true, we're here. We are Sans Riley Bowman today because, well, we're making him do other things. He had to go uh, to the range today and record some video that was very urgent that we needed for another project we're working on this week. So you get me and Matthew, and that's just how it's going to be. But we're pretty excited because this is our monthly DGU segment. We're going to be covering a variety of news stories, some justified saves, some lucky passes. It's definitely some lessons to learn here. It's going to be all good, fun, and you know, awesome sauce. But before that, some sponsors. This episode is brought to you by CCW Safe. As you listen to, to today's Justified Safe stories, you might consider, you know, if, if this were to happen to you, what would you do? You know, what, what resources are going to be on your side? Who do you want to come to your aid? CCW Safe has proven time and time again that they are there to support their members. They are boots on the ground doing whatever's necessary to minimize the impact on your life and the life of your family when you're involved in an incident. Learn more at ccwsafe.com. And second, this sponsor is brought to you by our ConcealedCarry.com Legal Boundaries by State book. This is a book we uh, started, well, we, we created the ebook late last year, and we might be coming up on the one-year anniversary. We started printing the physical hard copy of the book in May of this year, 2019, and we've sold thousands and thousands of copies of the physical book, not to mention the ebook. This is a now best-selling product for us. People really, really, really love it. We've updated it four times since May, so we really care about keeping this book updated. And the good news is laws do change. So yes, we do update it, but even more importantly, if you buy the ebook or the combination ebook and physical copy of the book, you have permanent access to the ebook forever. So every time we release a new update, you can go onto the website or via our mobile app, you can access the most updated version of the electronic book. And that's pretty sweet. Now, of course, the physical book, we can't, we're not going to send you a fresh copy, you know, every time we update it. So if you, if you really care about having a physical copy of the book, you will need to purchase a new one every time we update it. But the electronic book is free updates for life. And it starts at $9.99. So learn more at concealedcare.com forward slash gun law book. Okay. Good times. So Matthew, should we do this thing? Yeah, let's get into it. These stories are awesome. Yeah, good. This is going to be good stuff. So the first one I think is Matthew's favorite because this dude's from Jamaica and he says he wasn't <laughs> going to go out like a punk. Yeah, so, this this was awesome. Give you, it to you guys us, might have heard. Yeah, you you might have heard of this. This happened in Miami, Florida, um, and basically, this guy uh, he's a homeless guy from he's a Jamaican immigrant, um, obviously a, a a citizen now, and he lives in a van um, with apparently a couple of his family members. It doesn't mention how many, but at least one lives in the van with with him. Um, and while they're in there, a guy comes up to his window and points an AK-47 into the window at this at this Jamaican dude. And uh, he basically, he swipes the gun, the barrel away, pulls out a Glock that he had sitting next to him on, on his seat and quoting him, emptied his Glock into the guy's chest. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's, 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 it's an interesting story, but you know, if you watch the video with his accent and everything, he just, he just puts it all out there. He's like, Hey, you know, you picked the wrong guy. Um, and, and obviously police show up 
uh, they they immediately recognize this as as a self a legitimate self defense uh, uh, incident. So as they're investigating this, lo and behold, somebody down the street said that they had just been robbed earlier, um, or it, it, uh, I think a day earlier, um, by somebody with an AK-47 and they took cash and this woman's vehicle. Um, and so they believe that this might, um, might have been a series that was going on and they're trying to connect it to some other things. So this guy actually finally put an end to this guy's, you know, crime series that they know of at least two, two different times he's uh, robbed people at gunpoint. So pretty interesting story. Yeah. Here's my favorite quote from, from the defender. He says, you want to come looking for trouble? Come to me. Come to me. I wouldn't do anything like this to anybody. And they picked the wrong person in this case. Right. And he says he's an NRA member. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's just a cool story because the guy just is out there saying the truth. You know, he's not trying to say politically correct things. He's not saying, hey, I got to talk through my lawyer for, you know what I mean? He's just yeah. out there saying like, look, this is what I did, you know, and um, on face value, you know, you judge what, what it is and uh, it's pretty cool. I am from Kingston in Jamaica, and I am not going to go out like a punk. So I emptied my Glock in his chest. This man tried to get in my van while I was sleeping, and he surprised to see what I did. <laughs> you know, I have a security license. I have a G license, and I have a state firearm license and a concealed weapon permit, and I have a gun, and I'm a member of the NRA. Yeah, this dude's legit. So yeah. some, some quick, th- quick thoughts here. Uh, not many of our listeners probably can be sympathetic with you know, living in a van. Uh, and being in there with your girlfriend and 11 year old son and, and getting, you know, robbed at gunpoint. But certainly all of us do, you know, drive, we're in vehicles, we're on the roadway. And I, I you know, the first thing to just remind our listeners for me on this one is just a reminder that you're very vulnerable when you're in a vehicle. Vehicle mm-hmm. is a very vulnerable place to be. You know, Matthew, I mean, you, you've, you've been on the streets. What, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been carjacked. So I, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it puts you, you might feel comfortable in, in a vehicle, but it, it limits your movement, your mobility. Um, it, it puts you in a position where if you have the firearm in a specific, carrying a specific way, you may not be able to get to it quickly. Um, and so it just makes things a little bit more difficult, right? You're, you're, um, you're also a target inside the vehicle. If you're outside, you're mobile, you can move, but in, inside a vehicle, you can't really move that well, not just physically around in the vehicle, but presenting the gun becomes an issue trying to, you know, shoot out of a vehicle or shoot over your shoulders, things like that. So it, it does be become difficult. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that he, he does live in his vehicle. So that raises the question about some states, uh, you know, this would fall under castle doctrine. And, you know, um, if you inhabit a vehicle, if that's your primary residence. And so um, there's some, you know, legal issues like that, too, that, that kind of can come into play and stuff like that. But it's I think it's an interesting story all around because it shows how vulnerable you are inside your vehicle and and you know, this guy did exactly what he, what he had to do. I mean, he pushed the, the, the muzzle away. Um, that that's an instinctual thing, right? Like he didn't freeze. He didn't say, Oh my God, this guy has a rifle an AK 47 and I have a Glock. There's no way I can stay. I mean, he responded quickly and, and addressed the threat and it was, it was good that he had his firearm there. It wasn't in the glove box, right? It wasn't tucked under the seat or somewhere where he couldn't get access to it. 
Yeah. If vehicles are vulnerable, you, you talked about, you know, kind of difficulty of retrieving gun and presenting it to target some of those things. But there's just uh, also reality that you moving to cover is a virtual impossibility. Mm-hmm. You're kind of stuck where you are. You're in a be- you're in a bullet magnet. You're in a box and you're not going to get covered. You really can't uh, move away from the threat. And, and vehicles are very challenging that way. Uh, I, I always find it interesting when we talk about vehicle castle doctrine concept, you know, are you in a state? I, I find it interesting because, you know, 37 states have stand your ground laws anyway, so it becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other 13 have, have castle doctrine laws, right, which suggests basically you have no duty to retreat when you're in your home. And so the argument can be made in those, in those 13 states, it might matter, you know, is, if I'm sleeping and living in my car, is that an effective habitation? Therefore, do I not have a duty to retreat? But I also find that kind of now highly irrelevant anyway, because even if, if the car doesn't count, I mean, the duty to retreat laws only exists when you have a safe option of retreat. Correct. And how are you going to how are you going to retreat from a threat when you're in a car? <laughs> you know, I suppose the argument could be made: well, you have to, you know, if you're safely able, you have to drive away or whatever. But in this case, the car's not running. You know, guy's doesn't not ready to hit the gas pedal. He's 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 sleeping, according to the story. He was asleep when this happened. So anyway, probably irrelevant. You know, whether or not vehicle is a habitation or irrelevant, whether what state he's in. In this case, you know. Really doesn't matter because he's in. I think he's in Florida, yeah, Miami. But anyway, I, I, yeah, it's, it is a vulnerable thing, and so training in those environments is really important. Uh, shameless plug for our vehicle firearm tactics course. You can find it concealedcare.com forward slash vft for vehicle firearm tactics. All right, I got my shameless plug in. Let's move to the next one, and this is a a coin robbery in Oakland, California. Uh, this one is. Oh, not not cool. And this is this is bad news bears. All right. So let me try and paint the picture. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a jewelry store, coin, rare coin store. I don't know, something like that. And uh, two dudes come to the door to come to come in. They're in they're in ski masks. And they got guns in their hands, but the uh, store owner is not paying a close enough attention to the fact that he probably shouldn't let these people in. His door is locked such that he has to buzz people in and out. So he doesn't even look close enough to see, oh, I shouldn't let these people in. He buzzes them in. So they come in, guns, you know, guns pointed, and uh, they put them on the floor, and uh, they keep them on the floor while they rob the dude blind. His safe is open. It's wide open. So they, they help themselves to a bunch of coins, like $60,000 in rare gold and silver coins and cash, it says. And then uh, they try to leave, and he has to buzz them out, you know, because apparently the door you know, doesn't open from the inside either. And uh, they start to leave. Now, at this point, our jewelry store, coin store, whatever dude, he decides, you know, this is not cool. I just got robbed. And so he gets his gun and he goes out the door looking for these dudes and he's trying to find them and he sees them going up a hill and apparently carrying a big bag of coins um, is heavy and difficult and not very fast. So these guys have not made very far. And so he starts chasing up the hill after these guys and starts yelling at them. And, uh, you know, he just kind of reacts, he says, and he yells, stop. And so they turn and point uh, at, uh, their, their guns or guns at him, and, he, and they shoot at him, according to his, his statement. So he shoots back. And uh, they drop the bag, and they keep running. And eventually, they, you know, there's more shots are exchanged. They get into a getaway car, and they drive off. So there's some collateral damage here. The good news is the dude got back his coins, I suppose, and he did not get hurt. We don't know if the bad guys were struck, but we do know that a bullet from who knows whose gun went into a resident, into a house, uh, into a residence, into a house, and hit a person, an innocent bystander inside of a home. So that's kind of the rough summary on this one. Dudes are still at large, Matthew. Yeah, it's an interesting story. And I think, 
you know, typically we say we use the clerk at the the 7-Eleven and hey, they're robbed. And then they chase after the person and start shooting them after they've run out. And, you know, we're always like, hey, that's obviously not something that you typically would want to do, right? Like, it's hard to say you were in fear of your life when you're chasing after the person who's supposedly putting you in fear of your life. Um, so it, it's difficult. I think in this case, I mean, the guy, obviously, he 60 grand is a lot of money. They're, they're carrying this huge bag. He says it weighs over 100 pounds and it, they're struggling to carry this bag. I, I get the idea that he wants to follow after them, right? This isn't like a bag of, this isn't a beer run or this isn't, I, I get the, I, I get like, I can kind of sympathize with that instinct of like, dude, this just guy just took 60 grand of my, my business uh, or these guys. Um, but he knows that they have firearms. And so what I would recommend, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with looking to see, Hey, are they getting to a vehicle or which way did they run? Uh, so you can, you know, while you're on the, on the phone with police, Hey, they're going North on this street or they're, you know, they're getting into this red vehicle or whatever it is, but to chase after them, I think that's what kind of sparked this gun battle out in the street. And so if, if he could have done this in a way where he follows at a safe distance, where he looks out and sees, Hey, they're 200 you know, feet away or 400 feet away. Um, and, and not kind of confront them, then maybe he can be a good witness and in, in follow along in a safe distance um, to kind of just give it, give an idea. But obviously, I mean, you, you hit it on the head too. You know, this, once you chase after somebody, you're kind of losing that initial um, uh, claim of self-defense, right? Because you're taking the fight to them. So, and then the whole incident about not being able to count your shots or, or, or control where your shots are going. We don't know if it was this guy's shots or the bad guy's shots, but in any event, this this gun this gun battle erupts out on the street. So the, the the probability of somebody getting shot is so much higher. And so I think there's a couple things, a couple lessons to be learned. I mean, obviously don't let people if you have a buzzer on your on your business don't buzz in people that are wearing ski masks and holding guns. I mean, that, <laughs> I think that's like, we don't even have this story. If the guy just looks up and says, yeah, let's not let these guys in. I, I don't know, but mm -hmm. lots of lessons learned. Yeah. Yeah. No, good, good points. Uh, if this man had not gone and chased any of these people, the innocent person in their home would not have been shot, you know, regardless right. of whose bullet hit them. That, that's just Agreed. a harsh reality. You know, getting, getting your money, getting your cash, getting your valuables back is optional, but you know, getting shot, uh, you know, or I, what I should say is getting your stuff back is optional, but being alive to spend it is required. Like that's, that's my approach, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to approach any sort of action I take post confrontation with extreme caution uh, to, to the degree that I, you know, I, I minimize my odds uh, as close to zero as possible. I already know these dudes got guns. They came into my store and pointed them at me and now I'm chasing after them. I'm yelling, Hey, stop. That, that just seems like I'm asking to get shot. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I, I think there's some pretty bad, bad ideas there. That's probably not idea. So anyway, I think, I think we touched on those and everyone's got it. Okay. Let's see. Where are we going next here? So we are going, oh, this, this, is, this is the one for which our episode is named. This is the one where the homeowner is used as a human shield. And this is out of Idaho. So not our traditional uh, big cities because you know, there are no big cities in Idaho. So let me see if I can put this one down for you. Uh, what we have is a man hears someone banging on his doors and windows, wakes up, 74-year-old man named Rod St. Clair, and uh, this, this doesn't sound good. So he calls, calls the police, 
and he hears broken glass. You know, that, that doesn't sound good either. And so, you know, he comes out, he's trying to figure out what's going on and has a quick conversation with the police. When they arrive, they don't, they don't see anyone, but they hear a, a disturbance down the street and they think, oh, you know, there's dogs barking. Maybe our intruder is that way. So we're going to come back and finish our report later, but we're going to go check on this noise we're hearing. So the, the police, you know, they, they leave this dude's home. And while they're checking on the barking dogs down the street, they hear some, some gunfire. So they hurry back. And what they find is the original complaint, you know, uh, the, the homeowner, the man who originally called the police, he's, he's down. He's on, he's, on the, he's on the grass. He's suffering from gun, a gunshot wound. And standing near him, nearby, is a woman, apparently who's in a relationship with this homeowner, you know, wife or partner, live-in, whatever. And she's holding the gun. And she tells the police that you know, while they were gone, a, a man attacked the homeowner violently with a shiny object. So she got the gun and shot at the bad guy. Bad news was that uh, the bad guy attempted to hide behind the homeowner and she believes that she accidentally shot the homeowner in her attempt to shoot the bad guy. And uh, it, you know that, that's, that's not good. <laughs> So yeah. they eventually do find the BG. He's been shot. They identify him as, a, as a, some you know, bad criminal from a motorcycle gang or something. And he, he had a blunt force object type weapon that he was using to break into people's cars or whatever it might have been that he, you know, he was attacking this man with. So all around some not good things took place here. Yeah, I mean, and it's pretty interesting. You, you mentioned, I mean, I think the location of where this occurred played into some of this as well. So uh, I'm not familiar with Idaho, but I, and the, the county that it's in, but I would imagine this isn't like a, a, a sheriff's department that has, you know, 600 deputies out on patrol at one time, right? They probably had most of their units tied up investigating this, this, you know, incident at this guy's house. And instead of being able to say, Hey, there's, there's bark dogs barking, you know, a few houses down. Can you send another unit, like another responding unit down there to check that out while we're with the victim? Because, you know, you haven't really investigated that scene, correct? You know, completely. So the, the fact that there still could be somebody that was somebody who's obviously there breaking windows and things like that. And so they leave this homeowner outside while they go and investigate what they believe to be, you know, where the bad guy is, but left this guy, this old guy out in front of his house um, with the bad guy probably hiding like in the bushes. And now this guy says, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to take this dude out. Um, and so the woman grabs the gun, takes the gun from, from St. Clair, the older guy and uses that firearm. Um, it's just a weird, you know, sometimes like reality is weirder than fiction in these types of stories and stuff. So, um, it's unfortunate that this guy died because, um, you know, he, he did pretty much everything he could have other than maybe staying in his home to begin with. Right. Like we always kind of say, if you stay in your home, then chances of you getting involved in some weird story that winds its way and you end up dying um, is lessened. So, I mean, that could be one lesson to be learned. Like even in the most benign, hey, I heard a window break outside, deal with the police inside your home. So, you know, um, something like this doesn't happen. You know, you, yeah. you, you don't have the, the, the probability of that happening. Yeah, and, the, and I'm, I'm not saying the cops necessarily did anything wrong or bad. That's no, not no, no, not at say, all. Right? Yeah, that's, not at all. That's I mean, we could. It's easy to armchair 
quarterback this, right? And say, well, they could have done it like this, or they could have secured the individuals in the home before they were, whatever. That's right, really right. not the point. But, th- but I, what I would say is this is the kind of thing that leads to lawsuits against law enforcement uh, is, you know, my husband's dead because you, you know, abandoned us and, you know, that was unwise or that was negligent or reckless or whatever. Exactly. And that's how these kinds of things come, come to be. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's concerning. Certainly it's concerning. And, and in this case, you know, it's kind of weird to hear the whole human shield concept uh, may or may not have been purposeful that our BG really was diving behind this homeowner and trying to use him as a human shield. It might've just been a coincidence, but re- regardless, you know, I think we have to be thoughtful about tactics and context. And if we're going out there and we know that we're, we're coming to the aid of someone uh, and that person's in the middle of the fire, you know, the, the line of fire, that changes everything. That, that is a messy, messy thing. And it makes me think, you know, to myself, okay, a lot of times in a home, what you have is you have two adults, one of which is very serious about uh, you know, guns, firearm ownership, getting some training, et cetera. The other person may be less. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I think that's very common. Yep. Um, and so that, I mean, that's certainly the case in, in, the, in my home. And so, you know, something goes down and, you know, I, I'm for whatever reason disposed or my wife's concerned about me. She goes, grabs the gun and comes out. And now I, I'm getting shot at by my wife. Yep. You know, so you got to think a lot about, you know, how, how you set yourself up for success in those kinds of scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, I'm sure in your classes, when you see a husband and wife combination come into a class, even a, the, a basic concealed carry class, I know for me, I always like that because you're right. One normally says, you know, I, I typically carry the gun. Normally it's a guy saying, well, I'm, I, I protect the house, you know, and this and that, but they never take the idea of like, if you're not there, who, who, who's going to protect, you know, it's an instinctual thing to want to protect your family. And that's all, that's a very good thing and noble thing to do, but you're not there all the time. And, and so even if you are there, if you are actively fighting somebody and don't have the firearm with you, then your wife or, or daughter or son or has to be able to proficiently use that firearm to save your life um, or their lives, right? So I think it's interesting, and this kind of comes back to you know, you know training. It, it's not just, well, I'll let my husband or I'll let my wife go. She normally or he normally carries a firearm. It's If you have a firearm in your home, home know how to use it. You know, if if it's for your home defense gun and you don't feel comfortable shooting a shotgun because it scares everything out of you and, you know, it's too much of a recoil and you're scared to pick it up, then that's not a good home defense gun because it can only be used by one person in the home. So I think it's, it, it kind of shows that, yes, even if one person is trained more than the other, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to ha- turn out correctly. Cause this guy didn't have a gun. He had an impact weapon. Right. And, it, and, you know, obviously he, it doesn't say that the guy, uh, that the homeowner died of blunt force, right. Uh, any trauma like that, it was gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, whether or not this guy was being beat with the, the this impact weapon, um, you know, it, did she have to take those shots at that moment to save his life? We don't know. And so I'm not saying that she did anything wrong and, I, and I'm not second guessing. I'm just saying the tactics involved um, in, in engaging somebody and when to shoot and, and, and that discipline comes through training. Anybody can point a gun and squeeze a trigger, right? But yep. the, the discernment of how to use the gun in the fight is what develops over training. 
And, and, and I think you know, we could have a whole episode on this topic, but I think that it's very, like I said earlier, it's very common for us to be in scenarios where the majority of the people listening to me talk right now you know, on this podcast, you are the primary gun person in your home. You are the one who has assu- assumed the responsibility and your significant other uh, has some degree of training or experience or passion less than you, almost, almost without a doubt. Uh, whether that's slightly less than you or significantly less than you or just straight up you know, trepidation and, and, and not cool. Now, unless you're Sean and Melanie Devlin, you know, who are always <laughs> watching our, our podcast on Facebook, you know, I, I just got to assume that that's probably the case. So you may not ever convince your significant other to take awesome classes and spend four days on the range, you know, on a defensive handgun class. Like that, that might not be realistic. However, I do think that it is realistic to have some conversations and to set some ground rules. I think you can just set some ground rules and say, when in X situation, don't do this mm-hmm. or do do this. You know, having just some core defined rules is appropriate. And that may or may not have avoided this situation entirely, but it's something to think about. All right. Let's go to Houston. All right. So, let's see. This is the pawn shop one. Matthew, why don't you give us a lowdown? Okay. So a customer shot whilst trying to stop a robbery at a pawn shop. So this happens at 7, 7.50 PM. So not very late. Uh, people are in this easy pawn shop on Beller Boulevard and Mullins at Mullins Drive in Houston, Texas. Um, two customers and employee were inside the store. Two armed people walk in and you can see a little still from the video camera uh, surveillance system uh, that these guys are have hoodies on, bandanas covering their face, heavy sweaters, um, obviously not there to, um, you know, conduct up business. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no legal business being conducted. Um, one of the customers later identified as Austin Michael Thompson. Uh, he was armed. He's a concealed carrier. He intervenes. And as he's in, intervening, because these guys pull out guns, as he intervenes, he's shot in the chest. Um, they, he was later transported and later died, or he, he was transported and later died at the hospital. Um, these two guys are still uh, outstanding. They weren't taken into custody. Um, but you know, it, it, I think this story, we see this. And as I go through the stories each month to pull these, I see a lot of stories like this, that unfortunately, um, the, the person who intends to do good, uh, at noble cause ends up suffering and, and dying. Right. Um, sometimes it's, the bad guy and them die. Sometimes it's just them, but you, it's a constant reminder that anytime you enter into some sort of confrontation like this, the chances of you dying go up extra, you know, greatly. And so it's something that you have to legitimately think about before the incident happens. You have to think about what am I willing to get involved in? At what point am I going to get involved in these things? And you can't play every single scenario out in your mind, but you have, you should have some sort of like red lines that you know, Hey, if I'm in this situation and this happens while I'm justified to, to, to act, I'm probably not going to, but if this happens, then it's like a choose your own adventure, right? I flip to this page and, and my option is engage. And then I decide how I'm going to do it. It might depend on if your family's with you or if you're not, or all, all kinds of different you know, variables, but you have to have that thought, that, that conversation with you and your wife or your family, whoever you're, tr- you're, you're usually around when you go out in public, because this type of thing is, it, it, it happens a lot. 
Yeah, in the last decade, we've basically doubled the number of concealed carriers in this country. Uh, those with licenses, permits, et cetera. And we're probably right now between 14 and 17 million U.S. adults that have a concealed carry permit. And what we see time and time again is that a large number of them, the line that is drawn in their brain relative to engaging with their firearm is not where it should be. It's sort of this idea of, uh, I'm not going to allow crime to take place, and so I got a gun to ensure that. Mm-hmm. And And that's not the right mindset in my, in my mind. Like I think that that is a bad mindset for anyone unless you have a badge and it's your job. Uh, but for the rest of us, you know, I'm, I'm on record as having said, you know, coming to the aid of, of strangers is optional, but coming home to my family is required. So if I'm going to come to the aid of strangers, I'm going to do it in a way that, that super duper minimizes my odds uh, of risk of death. And in this case, you know, it's not even entirely clear if anyone's actually in a life-threatening scenario. These guys might just get the money and leave. They might not be here to hurt anybody. And my engaging, you know, with, with my firearm might only escalate the scenario to gunfire and to, to risk of death by anybody. So I just, this kind of stuff really concerns me because it shows the mentality. Uh, same thing with our coin store robber guy, right? Who's chasing up the hill trying to keep these guys, you know, it's this mentality of when I have a gun, I therefore can stop crime. Mm-hmm. And that's my obligation and my right to do so. And it's arguably not your right, depending on the circumstances, certainly not your obligation. And tactic, tactically, it's unwise if the primary reason you have that gun is to, to survive, to fight another day. So we got we to gotta make sure in our mind, the line is drawn relative to defensive mindset. One of, I'm here to preserve human life uh, with an emphasis on my own and that of my loved ones. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is, that is the mindset that allows us to make proper, good tactical decisions. Yeah, agreed. I, could, I couldn't add anything to it. Uh, it you, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm lucky. All right. Let's <laughs> go to, what is this? Mississippi. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Stolen weapons lead to gunfire between homeowner and burglars. It's on mississippi.concealcarry.com. And one man was shot after he and two other men attempted to break into a car uh, on Saturday night. So here's basically what I get. Okay. Homeowner hears uh, a deputy is on on scene talking with the homeowner where, you know, they, they, you know, someone was breaking into my car. So I called the cops. Cops show up talking to the homeowner. While he's there, while the officer is on site, he hears gunshots coming from down the road. So deputy responds. He goes down to where he just heard these shots, and he comes into contact with another resident on, on the same street, right? This resident says that three men attempted to break into his car, the same number of men that, was re- that were report- reported by the first resident, right? And he says, so I saw these three men break into my car, and I confronted them with my shotgun. The homeowner then fired at the suspects who returned fire, and the homeowner said he thought he might have hit one of them. The suspects had fled the scene by the time the deputy had arrived, and they did get to receive a report from a local hospital that a man had just been admitted with a gunshot wound. No additional details at this time. So interesting because what we have here is a quote from Deputy Chief Calhoun, who gives this warning for Lauderdale County residents. He says, don't leave items in your vehicle like firearms, even at your home, meaning in your car at your home. There's a chance of somebody getting into your vehicle and stealing them and then using those guns for criminal intent. Um, hmm, Matthew, I, my sense is a lot of people, a lot of you know, cr- criminals are looking for a lot of things. Maybe some of them are trying to get guns. I think a lot of them are just looking for valuables, cash, mm-hmm. easy, quick score. But you know, 
uh, this is definitely another concealed carry podcast broken record topic. Don't store guns in your vehicle. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you can't really say it any other way, right? There, there are times where you put a, ve- a gun in your vehicle because you can't bring it into a specific area, right? Um, and that's a, that's a risk that you risk reward type thing where you have to wait a whole bunch of legal options. Like, do I go in there? Do I go to a different business? But we're talking about you know, you go to a place and many of these 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 incidents they do occur, like at a at a shopping mall where you can't bring your firearm in and people break into lots of cars because the concentration of vehicles there, they can break into 60 cars in five minutes and grab whatever they can rather than walking down the street and breaking into vehicle after vehicle. It's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more risk for the, the, the criminal, right? Because they have to there's homeowners and there's people walking around in the middle of the night. You're going to call the police if you see somebody walking down the street, but in a car or in a parking lot at an apartment building or a a business, people walk around the parking lot all the time. So it might not look as suspicious, but this situation is overnight. He leaves three, three uh, guns in, in his vehicle. I mean, this isn't a situation where like, you know, Oh, I I forgot it in there or I just left it in there because I it, I mean, there's three guns in there, and apparently, at least one of them is is loaded. Um, in this this scenario, I mean, I don't know if he told the the police, "Hey, I had three guns in there, and those are missing," and they knew that. But certainly, when you hear gunshots down the street, it starts to to say, "Okay, what's going on here? These two things are connected." Similar to the other story where you know the, the officers arrive, then they hear something down the street, they hear a dog barking. This is like yeah, I hear gunshots. This has got to be connected. Right. And so then we get into the the conduct of the guy that confronts these people that are breaking into a vehicle with a shotgun. And, and I mean, it's, sometimes it's, it's difficult because you said it, you know, it is like a broken record, but it, the reason why we harp on these things is week after week, I pull up stories where people are consistently doing things that, they, if they, if they hadn't done this, certain things wouldn't have happened. We can't, we can't, you know, be sure of everything that happens if you don't do this, but we can be sure if, if you don't go outside with a shotgun and confront people breaking your vehicle, then you're probably not going, you're, you're, the, the chances of you getting into a gunfight with these people are very remote. Um, so I, I don't know it. I hate to, to kick a dead horse, but these stories, kind of uh, paint a, a picture that we're trying to to get into the listeners and people that listen to the podcast that you don't have to go out and confront people over property. If you do, you risk your life, even if you have a shotgun, because these people had a, had a firearm, yep. you know? And so it, it's, I, I don't know, I guess it's just, what what is your life worth? What, yep. well, I got, I got three kind of, you know, core things I'll, I'll, share for my little nuggets of wisdom here. One would be uh, if you ever have to secure a firearm in a vehicle and obviously there's situations where you do have to do so, as you mentioned, you know, whether not generally it's long-term thing, but as a short-term thing, if you have to secure a, a firearm in a vehicle, uh, have a proper safe to do that with, you know, mm-hmm. a console, the glove box under the seat, none of that's acceptable. It should be secured. So, you know, generally what that looks like is probably a smaller handgun safe tethered with a security cable to something that's in, you know, in not very easily removable. 
so that's something to consider. And we obviously sell plenty of those. Shameless plug number two, consultcare.com forward slash shop. My second thought would be do what's necessary to be the gray man such that when the person's walking down my residential street at night and checking out which cars to break into, they don't look at mine and say, oh, that one's got guns in it for sure because it has an NRA sticker in the window or it has a sticker of a, a large AR-15, a slightly smaller one, and then two little handguns that says, my family's, you know, can shoot, beat up your family or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, do what's necessary to be the gray man so that a, I don't. I don't become an you know increased odds of of being a target. And if if I happen to be a target, they don't say, "Oh, I bet we can find guns in this car." Uh, and then and then thirdly, know that this type of situation is going up. Uh, we've seen several police departments around the country that have shared data about number of firearms being stolen from vehicles, and they we're looking at the data over the last decade, and it is dramatically on the rise. Whether that's because uh, gun owners are more likely to leave guns in cars, whether or not there's just more gun owners out there who are, you know, therefore there are more cars with, with guns in them, or if it's because criminals are getting savvy to where, you know, that, that they, that's a primary reason to break into a car and they're getting savvy about where to look and how to find the gun in the car. Uh, regardless of the reason, know that this is on a massive rise. And so, you, you know, you owe it to yourself to talk to close friends uh, buddies, neighbors, family members, and say, "Hey, you know, have you seen this data? I was, you know, I just read the stories. Pretty crazy. I hope you're not leaving your gun in your car at night, and and make sure those conversations are taking place." Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to the next one. This one is from South Carolina, Taylor's, South Carolina. This is in Greenville County, and basically, what we have here is got a dude who comes up to the door. A woman answers. He says, "Hey, do you got any jumper cable?" She says, "No, I don't." He leaves. He goes to several other houses. Uh, returns to the, to the woman's home, forces his way inside, grabs her by the neck, and throws her down. Uh, lacking a lot of detail there. I don't know how he forced his way inside. I don't know if she opened the door to see what he needed this time, and then he forced his way in, or if it was a you know, forced entry through the door. You know, we, we don't know. But he grabs her by the neck and throws her down. But then it says, when the woman pulled out a pistol, the man took off running. The video of the man was captured by a nearby resident surveillance camera, so you can see it above. So we do have, you know, some an ID per se, or at least we have, you know, we have some imagery, a picture of this dude that that they're using to hopefully find the criminal um, that was captured by a neighbor's doorbell camera because he said he went to several doors on that street before he returned to the victim's home. This is definitely a worse nightmare for a large number of U.S. adults. Man breaks into my home, grabs me by the neck, and chucks me to the ground. I, I bet you, I mean, this, this is worst case scenario style stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in this case, whether she scrambled and went and got a gun or she happened to have one on, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the circumstance, she pulled out a pistol and the sight of that pistol was enough for this man to take off running. So the, the gun did its job, no shots fired. Yeah. And, and this happened at 10 a.m. This. And so I know you know this and probably a lot of our listeners know, but most of like home invasions, they don't happen at three in the morning. You know, they, they happen during daylight hours. 10, um, yeah, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. is like 80 something percent of home invasions. Yeah. Which is counterintuitive to a lot of what people would think. Right. So um, I think you know, you, you think about the people that come to your door, whether it's even like all these um, people that deliver Amazon, right? Like sometimes now they do, they deliver in their own vehicle, right? Like mm -hmm. if you get Amazon yep. now, I think it is. And so, you, yeah, you might have different vendors that come to your house for whatever reason. Um, and your guard is a little bit 
lowered, right? This guy didn't come to the, to the door with a ski mask on and a, you know, a rope and a knife in his hand, right? Like this guy was asking a legitimate question like, Hey, do you have bumper uh, jumper cables? Um, that might be something that you wouldn't do. You wouldn't open the door to at night, but maybe around 10 o'clock you're like, Oh, my, my guard is down. Um, I'm not saying, you know, live in, in constant fear of anybody who comes to your door. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but you do have to have a, an, a, an awareness about you at all times, even when you're in your own home, um, especially when somebody comes to your door. And I, this is why one of the reasons why I love ring doorbells in those video doorbells is you can kind of interact with that person before without opening the door, right? You can say, Hey, um, who's there? You know, I'm, I'm coming. Who's there? Hey, do you have jumper cables? No, sorry. Um, and hang up on them. Right. Or, uh, and, and things like that. So you can kind of, you know, get these people to kind of engage and kind of judge what they're trying to judge, what their, what their intentions are, um, before opening the door. Um, and who knows, I mean, this woman, like you said, you don't know if the gun was on her person or maybe the first time it wasn't. And then it kind of like, made her feel a little weird when he came back and she went and got the gun and, you know, maybe had it in a holster or something like that. But, but I think that the key thing for me and this one was that it happened at 10 AM and that's a, a time where maybe if you are, your, your husband works and you're home alone, or like in my case, my, my wife works and I'm home, you know, I'm a stay at home dad or whatever. Um, your, your, your guard is a little bit down. And so just, just, be aware, especially if somebody comes to your door, you don't know who they are. Um, do your due diligence no matter what time it is. Yep. Shameless plug number three for this episode. <laughs> Go purchase our complete home defense course at consultcare.com forward slash CHD for complete home defense. If you're too cheap to invest 40 bucks in an eight hour high definition video course about home defense, you could just buy our video called Door Ambush. It starts at $9.99 and that focuses just around security at a doorway, how to open the door, how to fight a, a, an ambush at the door, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's an option. You know, there's, we have a comment from a live viewer here who says he heard ring doorbells are very bad privacy-wise. You know, anything that, that is putting out a signal over Wi-Fi and through the internet is, is going to be subject to hackers and all that kind of stuff, and companies are always going to be battling that. Uh, but I, I actually am mostly a fan of these kinds of things because let's say that some hacker out there, you know, hacks my doorbell camera. What's the worst-case scenario? They get to see my front porch all the time? <laughs> well, shoot, you can go camp out in front of my street and do that. Like, so I don't, I don't have a huge concern with that kind of thing um, relative to the data that, that is out there. Um, now that said, I don't, I don't want to open myself up to network vulnerabilities and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit, you know, a little bit extreme with my language. But, but the point is that having video surveillance or better put, having a way to identify who's at the door before you open it is to me a mission critical element of any home. I can't, I can't, I think I said this before. In fact, I think I just said this in a recent episode. There's not a single thing more critical and valuable to your home security and defense than being able to see who's on the other side of the door before you open it. Mm -hmm. So figure that out. All right. Story from California. Mm, this is a fun one. Kind of interesting because this is a story from eight years ago. But I like this because we learned some things about what this person has done, the victim has done since that incident eight years ago. So let's see if I can summarize this. Eight years ago, uh, Donna Hopper shot and killed a man who was breaking into her home. Okay, man broke in. She grabbed her 38 special you know, revolver, shot at him. He's dead. 
eight years have gone by and she, you know, still, you know, sleeps next to that gun next to her bed. But there's some interesting things she says as she kind of recalls this incident and talks about it that I thought were really noteworthy here. And so I'm glad you, you found this story, uh, Matthew, because uh, for example, she says, um, let's see here. Let me, let me find it. Uh, oh man. Okay. So there's a lot here about the guy, you know, the police chief saying, you know, you need training, you need training, you need training. And she talks about how she just kind of randomly like fired the gun in a random direction and happened to hit the guy. And so that was a good thing. Um, but then she says that she, she doesn't think, you know, she thinks everybody should have the right to, to a gun and self-defense. And she says she still keeps the 38 special handgun that she bought after her husband died loaded in next to her bed. But she says, quote, it's scary kind of looking at it, referring to the gun, because I've forgotten where the safety is. I mean, I would have to look at it and I don't want to touch it. I thought this single paragraph was the most interesting part of the story because here we have a woman who had a near-death experience, defended herself with a firearm, and since then, eight years later, she doesn't remember where the safety is. Hint, there isn't one. And she really doesn't want to touch that gun. It just collects dust. What are your thoughts about this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's in, in here, you, you hit it on the head, and that's why I included this because it really gives an insight into a lot of people's thought process that, hey, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go to a concealed carry class or I'm going to get some basic training, but I don't really think I'm going to carry the gun. I'm only going to carry it sometimes, or it's mainly just going to be in my, in, in my, you know, desk drawer or something like that in case somebody breaks in. And here's a woman that had absolutely seen the, the necessity of having a firearm to protect your life. I mean, if, if there's ever a person that would be sold on, the, the, the legitimacy of using a firearm to defend yourself, it would be this woman. However, I think it's that trauma that's kind of made her scared to, to re-engage with this firearm and actually learn. And she's just, and so she says things, you know, um, she says having a gun saved her life. She adds, it gives her a better sense of security and that she knows how to use it. Yet she doesn't like in that, Yes. And I said this earlier in the podcast, it doesn't take much to point a gun at somebody and squeeze a trigger and, and get hits on target. I mean, most inside of inside a home, right? You're five feet, 10 feet away at the most. It doesn't take a tremendous amount of skill or training. But what does take a, a amount of skill and training is to discern on how to use that firearm in the safest manner and the most, you know, tactically, tactically sound method. And so if she doesn't know where the safety is, I can't imagine her being able to do much more than pick up the gun, point it and shoot. If there's a person that runs in the way, or if she has to move to a different position of safety, or if there's two people that are attacking her, those things are going to cause her, I believe in those types of situations to freeze up or to make a bad decision or, you know, not shoot when she should or shoot when she shouldn't, those types of things. So I think it's important that the deputy or the, one of the police officers says, um, if you're going to have a gun you're go- and, or you're going to carry a gun, you obviously need to have proper training. Just having a gun doesn't make you safe. And we say this all the time, right? Like the gun is not a shield. It's not a, it doesn't make bad things go away. It, it you know, it's a tool. And so, I, you know, I had this conversation with Riley just the other day. He's, he's a good, you know, carpenter. He can build cabinets and, you know, you know, this. I could get the same equipment that Riley has, same drills, same shelving stuff and all that, but I would never be able to make the same types of shelving with with the the craftsmanship that he has. 
same tool, but I don't develop the skills. I don't have the skills necessary, right? I can make a cut, but why are my cuts not as good as his? Because he has training. He, he has understanding. And so I think that's the difference. Um, you know, people that just haven't gotten training might not understand that. Um, and so it is important to have that baseline and to maintain it. This woman obviously hasn't picked up her gun in, in, in quite some time. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a sad thing. And her knowledge of even the basic operation of that gun is in question. Right. Uh, if she doesn't remember where the safety is. And this is a double action revolver. Yeah. Uh, which, a little irony, at the very end of this article, she's quoted as saying that she believes in the Second Amendment. And she thinks people should be able to have a gun like she does, but she doesn't, she doesn't think people should be able to have automatics, mm-hmm. which I find interesting because her revolver is arguably an automatic of sorts. Um, it's not a fully automatic, right? But it, 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 a double action revolver does operate as a semi-automatic gun. Anyway, I, yeah, I don't know that I have a ton to add uh, other than, you know, in this particular case, we have someone who's essentially fu- uh, function, you know, suffering from some degree of post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. syndrome. Uh, sure. it's, it's scary to pick up that gun. And so, uh, whether or not you know you're you deal with some of that because of you've been involved in an actual life threatening situation, or your your friend committed suicide with a gun, or your dad accidentally shot your brother, or you know, whatever thing has happened to you or someone you know that may cause a certain amount of a negative association with a firearm, you know you got to confront that. You have to do, you know, whatever that looks like in a healthy way. You have to you have to fight through that. You have to confront that because this tool exists solely for use in an emergency. You know, if my car breaks down, I can call a tow. It's not a big deal. So if, I, if I'm not a master mechanic, I can live with that. But the gun exists only for use in emergency. So I can't call the gunsmith if it breaks down. I have to be prepared to execute and deal with that firearm to the best of my ability because it only exists for that situation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Moving on, let's go to South Carolina, Matthew. This one, Columbia, South Carolina, and this has to do with, uh, you know, what is an, an online transaction gone bad? Yep. We normally one of these pops up in each one of our episodes. The reason why, I, and, and there's not much difference uh, to add other than to, to the other stories that we cover like this, where if you're making an online sale, try to make sure that you're doing it in a, in a, in a place that is in public that. You know, you kind of vet the, as much as you can vet the person that you're dealing with, whether you check them out on social media or whatnot. Um, but the interesting thing about this uh, case is the man trying to sell the shoes, he was selling the shoes, then shot Burton, the person who robbed him as he was trying to sell the shoes, um, causing non-threatening injuries to Burton's hand and leg. But here's the thing. Police say 20 rounds were fired. This is 6 p.m. 20 rounds. So the people, I, I see it all the time like, oh, well, if I can't handle it in three shots, then, you know, what's the big deal? If I can't, you know, I just need one shot or I don't carry extra ammunition because the majority of deadly force, you know, encounters are three shots, three yards, three seconds, which is all true. That I mean, but in this case, 20 rounds are fired. Now, this is an outlier, but if you're caught in that outlier and you have three rounds because you think that that 99% of the incidents are going to be handled with three rounds and you end up being in the outlier situation with 20 rounds being fired. Now, I don't know how many were, you know, from, from the bad guy and how many were from the good guy, but at least a good number probably were coming uh, from the bad guy. And so 
you know, it, it kind of it gets you thinking, I think, a little bit about do you, what is the capacity of your firearm? Um, why or why not do you have a, a, a spare magazine? There's nothing wrong with not carrying spare magazine if you've made that decision. But if you just don't do it just because three rounds, three seconds, uh, three yards, that's probably not for me. That wouldn't be justification for me not to carry well, we got to stop thinking about these decisions we make about our loadout in 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 finite, you know, terms. We got to think about it more in infinite terms. In other words, that we're all on a journey. If today I don't carry a spare magazine, then maybe that's my next thing. Maybe that's you know, I, I can t- I'll share a little piece of my journey today. My the next thing in Jacob's journey is probably carrying medical gear. Um, that that you know, it doesn't mean that I think I don't need it. It means that I just haven't I haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That, like that, that's where I'm at in my journey. I just have not yet made the commitment uh, necessary that's strong enough to cause myself to be able to overcome the inconveniences uh, to be able to carry medical gear with me every day. So, so that's, that's just where I'm at. That's me. That's Jacob. And teach, you know, we all got to figure out where we're at in our journey. So I just think I get so tired of people thinking about it. Fine. I do not carry whatever because of blank. It's like, okay, well that's today. What about tomorrow? You know, mm-hmm. you can always change. It's okay to, to say, well, I can always do better. Some people don't carry a gun, you know? So we all have to figure out where we're at in our journey. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking um, about that. I, I, yes. Good, good comments. 20 rounds, a lot of rounds. You probably need to be thinking about that. And I, and I think we need to remember that gunfights are dynamic environments, dynamic situations where you know, people are diving behind their car or they're moving and then there's a second bad guy who pops out of the other door of the car and starts shooting and you're trying to decide if you want to stick your head up or not and bullets are flying and you're shooting a little bit blind. You know, and all of a sudden, you got to remember, this is not a gun range where I, I, I pop three right into the axe circle you know, without any effort from six yards. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our last story. And this one is really cool. I love this story, Matthew. Why don't you give us the story? This is from uh, Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, so Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now, now imagine you're in this situation. So a Fort Fort Lauderdale homeowner um, says that while she's driving home, um, she gets a notification on her her phone that, you know, a ring doorbell alerts her. Um, Her teenage daughter is home alone and there's pounding on the door. The teenage daughter believes that it's her mother coming home from work. Okay, so she thinks this 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 is uh, you know her her mom. So her mom gets on the phone with her and says that I'm not home. I'm driving home. Um, and so now the, the 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 there's a guy outside. One guy outside pounding on the door. Um, we later find out that there were actually two people, but she she knows that there's at least one person pounding on the outside of the door. Um, so she begins to get scared, like rightfully so. The the teenager, she doesn't have, they don't have firearms in the home, apparently. Uh, she is not a concealed or whatnot. So she's basically at the whim of whoever may be breaking into her home. The mother calls from another cell phone while she's driving home. The police says, hey, there's somebody trying to break into, into my home. I see him on, uh, on uh, ring doorbell. My daughter's home alone. The police say, okay, um, don't go. Are you home yet? No. When you get home, don't go inside. Well, of course, the mother's instinct is, hey, I'm going to go inside and make sure that I get home. When I get home, I'm going to make sure my daughter's safe. The daughter doesn't say anything about them actually breaching the door and getting inside. But that homeowner, that motherly instinct is like, I got to protect my child. She beats the police to her house, which is a very important point. 
She beats the police to her house, goes inside and says, I know that the police told me not to go inside, which is probably, you know, we, we say, hey, you don't want to go into a home uh, if you believe that there's bad guys in there. However, there are exceptions to the rule, like you have a child inside that you're trying to save or something like that, right? So she goes inside. Was it the best tactic? I, I don't know. I, I can't say that I would have done something different. Um, she d- makes a decision. Obviously, nobody breached, got inside. Um, the daughter was hiding inside the, the the bathroom. Police show up. And it turns out that there were two guys. Um, one of them actually broke the, the glass on the back door, uh, sliding back door. So they were actively trying to get in. It wasn't just, hey, I'm knocking and she freaked out and over-exaggerated this. These people were actually trying to break in. Um, and so, um, you know, nobody is in custody at this time. Um, but this is one of those scary things as, as a parent or as, you know, even, you know, husband, wife or whatever. Um, the reason why I, I thought it was so important was she beat the police home. That is, that is a huge thing. Um, she, she beat the police home to her house. And so I don't know what the time is that doesn't give times, but you would think that the police would beat you to getting to your daughter if somebody's trying to break into your home, but not always. So this is the importance of being prepared at your home and having other people besides you be the one that's that's prepared. Even if your daughter doesn't isn't of age to get a concealed carry license, maybe having a firearm that they know how to use, um, if they're, you know, don't have mental illness and things like that, and and you don't have to, you know, they're they're of age and they're understanding and they're they've trained, yeah, why not? have them be able to defend themselves if you're not there. So I think um, those, those types of things are things that um, these stories kind of bring out, even though nobody was injured, nobody was shot, no gun was actually used. It's, 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 it's a super important uh, story that, that, that exposes the, the kind of the downfall of counting on the police for all your protecting protection. It just, it, it, it's not, it, it, it's not going to happen all the time, like you think. Yep. I'm going to summarize some of your points. I don't know. I have much to add, but you know, this is one of those scenarios where I find it perfectly acceptable to, acceptable to run toward gunfire, right? Uh, most of the time I don't have a badge. I'm not in the military. It's not my job to run toward the gunfire. I'm not getting paid to do that. So I maximize my odds of survival by, you know, picking my battles. But in this case, kids in the house, yeah, I'm going to have to breach. I'm going to have to go in there. I'm going to have to do what's necessary. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, mom was on the phone with the kid the whole time. So there was at least some communication about where that child might be, what was going on, what they were hearing. So that that's that's unique and, and helps, right, when I breach the house in terms of knowing where my child is. It said specifically that she asked the daughter to lock herself into a bathroom until the cops had arrived and cleared the home. So this doesn't seem like a situation where mom's clearing the house and walking around looking. Right. No, this this seems like... Hey, lock yourself in the bathroom. Okay, now I get home, I go to bathroom, and I stay with you while we wait for cops. So that all seems pretty tactically sound to me. We don't know the age of the teenager. Could have been 13, could have been 19. Uh, But, you know, there there were some good things that were done here. There's some good tactics that were used. And communication between mom and daughter was very high. Communication between mom and law enforcement was also very high. So all that sounds pretty good to me. If I had anything to add, it might just be, 
you know, what are our response plans in our homes for that kind of scenario? Does, does my child, do my teenagers know what to do if I'm not home? Do they, do we, is our best safe room a bathroom? So, so that's a little bit concerning, you know, because the locks on your average, you know, bathroom aren't, aren't great. Uh, the doors are probably hollow and it's probably not the most secure scenario. That bathroom probably doesn't have a cell phone laying there, you know, ready to go in case yours dies. It probably doesn't have, you know, all the you know, medical gear, other things that you might want to have in a safe room. So, uh, all, you know, good, good things were done. I think all around execution by mom and daughter were pretty good, but some pre-planning might've even, you know, might've made it even better. Mm, agree. All right. That's the last story today for our episode 371, Homeowner Used as a Human Shield. Just a reminder, today's episode was brought to you by CCW Safe and our legal boundaries by state book. Now we are going to do our giveaway. In fact, Matt, I think we have to do two giveaways because really? last week we didn't have an episode because of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have any episodes last, last week at all. And so we've actually had two giveaways on our site for the weekly podcast giveaways and neither have a winner. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give away today the a Flight 93 commemorative hat from 511 Tactical and a SWAT T tourniquet. Now, if you're listening to this, just so you're aware, in case you're curious, the Flight 93 commemorative hat from 511 had 105 entries in a seven-day period. 105, that's not bad. If you had entered, your odds of winning are dang near 1%. 1 in 100. Okay, the SWAT T tourniquet, which is the prize for this week that we're going to give away, had 84 entries. You know, probably holiday week, less people thought to go and enter. Your odds of winning are 1 in 84. (laughs) That's pretty dang good. Now, I know that these weekly giveaways we do on the podcast aren't like super crazy good prizes. not like we give away a gun every week. They're generally products that cost, you know, $50 or less. But your odds of winning are pretty dang good because so many people are probably doing what you're doing. You're sitting here listening to this podcast and thinking, uh, just either you don't remember each week because you have to do it every week to go and enter into the giveaway or you're just like, yeah, it's not worth my time and energy. I just love listening to this podcast. These guys are decent enough to listen to, but I'm not going to go into their giveaway. Just a, just a thought there to share with you. Your odds of winning this week would have been 1 in 84. All right, Matthew, should we do this? Absolutely. All right, so let's pick last week's winner first because, again, we missed uh, doing the episode last week. So this is for the Flight 93 commemorative hat from 511 Tacticals. Nice hat. And the winner is... I forgot. Do we announce last names when we do this? We don't, right? First name, last name. Not initial? usually. Yeah. All right, so the winner is John... B. And John B, you have an email address that has the word shooter in it, and it's at sbcglobal.net. So John B, uh, something something shooter, something at sbcglobal.net, you are the winner of a hat from 511 Tactical. Thank you for entering our giveaway. And let's pick a winner of the Swati tourniquet. As far as tourniquet go, this is a pretty, um, a very a versatile tourniquet can be used in a lot of different things. I know you're a fan, Matthew, and I also mm-hmm. like that it's very low cost. Yep. So a SWAT T is a, is a good solution, especially if you have some economic challenges relative to buying a tourniquet. So here we go. The winner of a SWAT T tourniquet is DJ D. Last name starts with D. First name is DJ. And DJ, your email address starts with an O and ends at yahoo.com. Congratulations. You're the winner of a SWAT T tourniquet. I will reach out to both of our winners this week and let them know. Again, you do not have to be live uh, you know, with us when we record these episodes in order to win. All you got to do is go and enter uh, the giveaways cycle from basically Tuesday through Tuesday. So you know, somewhere between Tuesday and Tuesday, enter each week and that'll you know set an alarm on your calendar or your phone or something to remind you to go and enter the giveaway. It's easy to do from your phone. Uh, generally, we ha- always have this week and next week's giveaways up on the on the site so you can see what's coming and you know why why not why wouldn't you do that 
So next week will be a tactical pen. It's a nice uh, little tactical pen. One that we sell. It's a decent pen. So I think we sell them for ten or fifteen bucks. So it's a decent little tactical pen. They're pretty. They're pretty sweet. So I'd encourage you to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. That's how you do this. Concealedcare.com forward slash podcast prize. All one word, no spaces. And make sure you enter this week and every future week's giveaway. That's it for me, Matthew. Anything we're missing? No, I just want to say like always, thanks guys for listening. Uh, we, the, these episodes are so awesome because you guys are engaged. And, and so we really appreciate that. Indeed we do. And we appreciate your business and also you uh, being good patrons of our sponsors who help us make this podcast possible. So with that, train right, train off, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Thanks, everyone. Mind you that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.